Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Guitarist Nuri Kuntz has played with everyone from Seth MacFarlane and Rod Stewart to Natalie Cole in the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Larry is one of the more versatile musicians on the scene today, and in a world loaded with guitarists with blistering technique and nothing else, Larry stands out with his soulful, heartfelt interpretations of the standards and his own poetic compositions. Larry Kuntz and I got together in his native California for the following conversation. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I started by asking Larry about his earliest musical inspirations. It's interesting, if I go way back in time, my first seminal musical experience was um, a con- uh, Andre Segovia concert. My father's oh. a guitarist. And when I was six, uh, this is before I started playing guitar, and I really had no notion that I wanted to do anything musically. I mean, I was more interested in playing baseball and playing with my friends. But uh, my father thought it would be a good idea for me to see this legendary Spanish guitarist. So we went to the concert, and I was spellbound. And in fact, it's sort of been a touch point in my life because I feel that I've never been able to hear music as fully as that first experience when I knew nothing about it. <laughs> wow. Know, the magic enveloped me. So um, I actually met him afterward, too. Um, we were sitting next to a manager that knew Segovia. and That was just a coincidence? It was a coincidence. Wow. And he was struck by how taken I was by the music. Meant and, to be. Yeah. And I remember his hand touching my cheek as he said, good boy. And it was huge. He had fingers like sausages. Wow. Interesting. I still remember that to this day. So you're, well, it's kind of a, you're seeking that for the rest of your life, that experience. Exactly. I've, that's been a theme of my practice for a long time to try to get to a place where I'm not so clever anymore. (laughs) And where I'm not thinking about it, where I'm feeling fully, you know? Not so concerned about doing something for effect for an Mm. audience, you know? Trying to find that spot in me that's genuine. Yeah. That's, That's what I'm looking for. It's incredible to see a man come on stage, full auditorium, this is at Dorothy Chandler, uh, pavilion and without a microphone fill that whole hall with sound you know and his sound was so beautiful so buttery you know it just oh I still remember it to this day it gives me chills right now <laughs> recalling it <laughs> just so beautiful you know and, and a, he had a penchant for playing Bach and Bach has always been another touch point for mm. me you know I just love the uh, flexibility of that music you know, you you can, I can imagine improvisers playing, and 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 eating it up. You yeah. Know? Well, just, it sounds improvised in its own way to me. Bach does, and it doesn't swings. it? It swings. Yeah, it has a rhythmic core that is just insistent. Yeah, I know? think so too. Yeah.
Did you immediately say, I want to take guitar lessons after that to your dad? Um, I remember going home and seeing, guitar, uh, seeing a guitar on a stand and walking up to the guitar and strumming the strings. And I remember the tactile feeling. And it, I remember watching the string vibrate until it start, stopped vibrating. And, and I remember feeling extremely connected, in a way more connected then when I went to college and got a little further away from feeling what it is to go to something without preconceptions, you know, to go to something with an openness. Oh, that's so and lovely that you remember it so specifically because that's such a beautiful description of childlike discovery. Absolutely. It's like being in a sandbox, the tactile feeling yeah, of sand. Yeah, the the everything's feeling of, first, right. Yeah, the strings on the fingers and the, the nail hitting the, mm -hmm. the flesh hitting the string and, mm -hmm. the, and the nail hitting the string. There's something about that that is, is uh, sensual in nature. Oh, it's of yeah. the senses, you know. And um, in fact, that was, I, I had a, a, a bit of a, a sort of, um, how would I describe it? Nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty specific. <laughs> and when did that happen? Right after college, uh -huh. when I was filled with information, but felt like I sort of got further and further away from the source of all this stuff and from the enjoyment. And I, I, I was extremely self-critical during this period of time and um, not very playful. And thinking that I had to do something because that's what you do. Oh, you know, yeah. As opposed to doing something because you love it and you feel connected and it just sort of takes you on a, on a journey. Yeah. Um, so one of those themes was going back to that, that first experience, that tactile experience playing the instrument mm -hmm. after hearing Segovia. Wow. And feeling so connected to the instrument. Just watching the string vibrate and stop vibrating the physics of it you know just the beauty of that uh-huh seeing the string sort of waver and you it's you, you can't see it clearly it's out of focus and then all of a sudden it comes into focus as it stops that's so beautiful and so talk about being in the moment yeah exactly
my guest, guitarist Larry Coons from his CD, Storybook. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For me now, practice is a meditation, and it's a meditation uh, that's centered on just going more going more inward, mm-hmm. deeper, finding spots of connection, um, feeling like when I'm playing the instrument that I'm actually singing. Singing is mm-hmm. a, has, be, has become a, a, another big focal point. I use it in my teaching mm-hmm. at CalArts. Mm-hmm. Teaching is an integral part of, of learning, I think, how to feel something emanating from source, from inside, and shaping things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think all my favorite players feel like they're singing. Oh, yeah, because they're yeah. breathing. They're connected with the breathing and Absolutely. the whole. Yeah. And shaping it, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I think about the great swing pianists, you know? Mm. And in, I think of piano a lot because it's a mechanism. Mm-hmm. And it really is amazing to me. You have this, that an artist can approach this instrument that is a mechanism. You're not actually touching the string like a guitarist. Right. Yet... You know, in in a few bars, I can tell if it's Bill Evans. <laughs> you know, exactly, by touch, exactly, by touch and the way he shapes it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that to me is profound. Mm. You know, that an artist can do that. You know. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> well, thank you. We'll talk about Bill a little bit more because you brought me a Bill Evans track. Mm. Yeah, talk about Bill Evans. Um, I would say that Bill Evans is my biggest musical influence. Mm. There was something about Bill that is always focused on making music that is the most meaningful to him in the moment and staying in that place, really living in that space, owning that. And um, it comes through in his performances. And um, there... There is also a time sense that Bill conveyed that that was really influential. Uh, the spaces between the notes, the the feeling that a, a solo is like a story, sentence structure, paragraphs, it really is all there. A narrative, a sense of going somewhere, a sense of journey, and also a sense of the bar lines disappearing. You know, I love that. All, all my favorite players... And Glenn Gould is one of them. I know I've shared some some tracks with you. Um, have this sense of of an experience happening in time without the formal elements being right on the surface. You know, yes, this person's playing a twelve bar blues. Yet it's something bigger than that twelve bar blues. You know, it's a story that's 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 taking place in time, and you're not feeling those bar lines, and you're not feeling the beats. All of a sudden, you're just sort of magnetically taken on a journey. Mm. Thank you. 
You brought up teaching. What is the biggest challenge for you with your students? And I love that I get to ask you this because a lot of people that come to me on this show are complaining about young people playing jazz and that they know lots of notes and they have no soul. So I'm coming to the source. Talk to me about your students and teaching. I'm really curious. It's an excellent question, Judy. I I think I struggle most with the, the how of the experience, not the what. The what is very easy. You can say, oh, over this chord, you can play this scale. Or this is how you organize chromatic material. Or um, you can play this arpeggio, and that's another piece of the puzzle. You know, They're all teaching in that way is piecemeal, and they're all little pieces of the puzzle. And it's not to say that it's invalid, but it's not the crown jewel of what we're looking for. The crown jewel is really the stuff that I talked about earlier, I think, singing through your instrument, finding your identity and your alignment with what is happening in the moment. Um, And that is the most difficult thing to convey because actually it's unteachable. You can only point a, a direction. You can say, this is what I do. Here's how I approach it. And and I always find it's a back door. It's not a direct A to B linear experience. It's not an algebra equation. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you end up with an answer. It's very circular in that way. You got to look somewhere in the recesses, you know, and you have to, it's a different kind of digging. It's, it, it involves a lot of patience. And in a way, it's like a meditation. You have to plant a seed. And when you're on the right path, you have to realize it and keep, keep sort of watering that <laughs> seed. You know, for me, uh, free improvisation has been huge yeah. for liberating me. You know, not being so focused on the right note to play and looking looking into how to shape things. Yeah, I love you taught yeah. that phrase. That's a really nice phrase, how to mm. shape things. Mm. It's making me think in a different way. And that yeah. will, they, they say that once you have a word for something in your brain, you think differently. And I'm, right. I know that's going to affect the way I play now. I'm going to be thinking about shaping because now I have a word for it. I like that. Well, I talk about it all the time with students and, you know, the voice I use to to demonstrate things because I think of all the the instruments that we can access, the voice is the most, um, how do I put it? It's, it's, it has the biggest expressive quality. Mm-hmm. You can take a, a note, you can build it, you can, there's a crescendo in there. You can't do that with piano. You can't do that with guitar. You can, uh, you have at your access all these consonants and vowels that shape things. You know, so I'll, I'll take a simple, you know, swing line. Now, nothing wrong with my placement, but it sounds corny because I'm 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 focusing on a on a on a um a consonant that is short. But if I go all of a sudden it has more dimension. And right. it's not about placement, it's about how, not yeah. what, you know. Mm. Yeah.
Guitarist Wes Montgomery, a favorite of my guest, guitarist Nari Coons. Wes is joined here with the Wenton Kelly Trio. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. We'll talk about Conversations, your most recent CD. Conversations is a duo CD with the head of the program at CalArts that I teach in, the Jazz Studies program at California Institute of the Arts, and his name's David Reutstein. And David is a very interesting guy. He is, as I said, the head of the program, and he's probably one of the most unegotistical people I've ever encountered. Uh, he started the program along with Charlie Hayden, ah. famous bassist, um, who, when he plays music, also uh, sort of in- exemplifies this this lack of ego mm-hmm. or this feeling of centeredness. Um, and I'd known David for a long time. We would start 
the semester, uh, or rather the school year, uh, with a performance at the beginning of the year which featured duos, mm. because we felt that it was really important to instill in the students a sense that connecting with one person can be the, the highest level of conversation. Oh, you how know, lovely. I, sometimes I use the an, an analogy of being at a party, you know, you're with six seven, eight people, you have a conversation. It doesn't go so deep, but you're off in a corner with one other person and you can scratch beneath the surface, oh, yeah. right? It's more direct. Um, so we we had this do a performance for the last 20 years at the beginning of each school year. And at some point we just realized, you know, we should document this stuff. We should get in the studio and commit this stuff to to a hard drive. I was about to say tape. (laughs) (laughs) It's different every time. The technology keeps changing. Exactly. So that's what it was born out of. And and we would always play his original music and my original music and mix it and pepper it in with some standards here and there. So that's kind of representative of what we came up with on this recording. like blip blop I like just saying that too talk about that track it was it's just funny and it's um yeah I like music with a sense of humor and that really has that so talk about that track yeah um I like music with a sense of humor too that's why I like Monk because there's such a great one of the funniest players ever wonderful wonderful and there's a there's a a Monk track on this on this CD as well think of one Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, blip blop. Uh, so that's the way bebop sounds. It's a little sloppy, you know. If you it, <laughs> to go back to when I sang that stupid line, when I ta 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 ti, you know, it's more like yeah. you know, there's blop. Yeah, in there. yeah, there's yeah. Slop, there's glop. And if if it was well defined, if it was ta 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 ta, it's corny. Yeah. Somehow, it's more like language. You know, mm-hmm. some language has to be sloppy yeah. in order to feel right, mm. to make the rhythm feel right. Uh, and so that's where the title comes from, and it's <laughs> it's based on um, it's based on the changes of I Got Rhythm. Uh huh. And it's an original of David's, um, and uh, it's just fun to play.
Larry Coons and David Reutstein on Brip Brop from their CD, Conversations. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on your favorite podcast platform and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production not funded by NPR. Please visit jazzinspired.com to find out how you can chip in and support us. No gift is too small. And please write a review on Apple Podcasts, which is the best way for us to entice others to listen to the show. Thanks for helping us spread the word and celebrate 22 years on air. I have a new book celebrating this anniversary called Great Inspirations, 22 Years of Jazz Inspired on NPR. Go to judycarmichael.com for more information. My guest, guitarist Larry Kuntz, was the first recipient of a Bachelor of Music in Jazz Studies from USC. I was part of this program at the time called the Studio Guitar Program. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was still viable to be a studio guitarist in, in Los Angeles. And I this was, is in the eighties. This is in the eighties. Yeah. Right. And you know, this is a, a period of time where there would still be three, sometimes four guitarists on a session. And, um, there was a lot of music being recorded commercially. And so, you know, I'm young at the time and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do career wise? And that seemed like a good program to go into at the time. And I actually had some great teachers and it, and it ended up being a situation in which it was defined as a studio guitar program, but it was actually had a more, um, it had more of an artistic slant Mm, to it. mm -hmm. Um, Duke Miller um, was the head of the program and he had been with Yamaha for many years. He was a studio guitarist for a long time, but actually in his, he was an older man, 
Um, in his later years, he he moved away from commercially based projects and was more interested in the older guitars like George Van Epps. Oh, and, interesting. You know, yeah. And um, so I studied with Duke, and I also studied with another person on the faculty named Paula Rose. And Paul was a great guitarist um, and very interesting, uh, eclectic mind when mm -hmm. it came to music. So he turned me on to, at that time, I was only interested in Joe Pass. I was, <laughs> Wasn't everyone? Yeah, of course. How can you not be? <laughs> How could you I'm not still be? interested in Joe exactly, Pass. Exactly. But that's exactly the sweet spot when everybody was talking about Joe Pass. Exactly. Because he had, you know, he, he was so unique at, at, you know, in terms of being able to be a jazz guitarist and play solo concerts and have had such a beautiful range and made things feel so good. But that was my whole world. Um, and Paul introduced me to a lot of music that had uh, world music at its core, like Oregon, mm -hmm. the band Oregon with Ralph Towner, mm -hmm. who is a huge influence. Ralph Towner, I think, is a genius, both as a composer and a, and a guitarist and a multi-instrumentalist. Um, and he turned me on to guys like John McLaughlin, who, for, who was forming Mahavishnu Orchestra at that time. Um, so it sort of broadened my worldview at the time. Um, at the same time, though, I was also holding on to um, or realizing that studio guitar was not a prospect for me. I had experienced going to sessions and I had experienced the lack of interest in anything really musical, mm. um, both on a composition level uh, in terms of the composers that were, you know, this was this was, tele this was eighties television, right, right, and, and a lot of the mu movie music at that time was moving away from acoustic instruments, right, and really it lacked. I didn't. I was not interested in this. This is why you were having that nervous breakdown. It. I actually had this nervous <laughs> even before. Probably, no, it was right after that. <laughs> See, yeah, you're this right. This is why people come on this show; they make these discoveries, and it is you're a so therapist. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I have had other people tell me, and I'm thinking because I was making my decisions in the '80s too. It's when I moved to New York. It's when we were all focusing on where is this business going. That's why I'm laughing with the things you're talking about. So. I think we we have discovered something here, Larry. Continue. <laughs> You're Continue. 100% dead on. You're 100% dead on. So uh, while having that realization, I I figured that moving into this jazz studies um, program that they were thinking about initiating at that time would be a good move. And so I was sort of the experiment. And... Um, I think the main catalyst was that the senior recital did not have to include uh, all these these examples of music which involved jumping through various hoops. Uh, you know, playing a little fusion music, yeah, yeah. playing a little uh, R&B music, playing some country music, which I really was not adept at anyway. Mm. You know, it it wasn't interesting to me. Not that the, not that these different kinds of music don't have intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. I think there's some value in each of them. It, mm -hmm. it, and 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 there are artists that I can name in each of these different areas that do th important things. I think, but it just was not where I was coming from. I loved acoustic music. Mm -hmm. 
I was connected with the sound of an acoustic guitar, with a little amplification, you know, jazz guitar. Um, and I loved nylon string guitar too. So uh, it seemed like a good move to move into this jazz studies program. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it came from. My guest, guitarist Nuri Kuntz, on Louisa, from his CD, Conversations. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I find it fascinating how often this comes up, that certain people are thrilled with what they view as a challenge of playing all these different styles. And they convincingly, the best ones convincingly play these different styles. You can tell who's mailing it in and really doesn't like that style. And then the people like you who really want to play what you want to play, someone like me who's very narrow, really wants to play what I want to play and is incapable of doing these other things and and not, it's not even um, a matter of practicing those other things. It's just, you really don't want to do it. And in your soul, it's not, it's soul deadening. But I've talked to other people who love all that, and they just find that really challenging to do something really great with a Coke commercial or something. And I'm not making a joke. They actually do find that fascinating. 
And and I think that's I I think that the most successful people, and I've said this before because it's it's really resonates with me. And when I talk to young people, that I think the most successful people I know, meaning successful in life, are the ones who assess their talents accurately, realistically, and go forth with courage. And that really is the answer, I think. And I think people that are pursuing other things and they're vaguely unhappy and don't realize it's because they really don't like what they're doing. And you were fortunate that at a young age, you were aware enough and sensitive enough to recognize that. I think that's that's somewhat unusual. It's a really beautiful description, uh, Judy, I think, of what my definition of success is, to actually to, to find what's deepest in your heart and the way you put it is beautiful to go at it with courage, mm. you know, because it's not going to be easy. It's no. not always going to be easy. But I, I do think it's, it is, it is um, the path that was right for me. Mm. And you know, the the other the other aspect of of, of uh, the studio scene was that there is an incentive to go into it because you can make a lot of money. Yeah, right. You know, and and I saw that immediately when I go to these sessions. A lot of the players were were. Uh, I remember this one guy was carrying a briefcase and he was talking about the cars he was buying and the, <laughs> and the, the real estate. And it was just so boring to me because oh. I was in my early 20s and, and I was hungry for music. And, and, and I was at this session and thinking, first of all, that these were great players. They were wonderful musicians, but the music did nothing for me. And there was a certain tension in the in the studio and a, 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 a certain amount of jockeying in terms of you know making sure that you're talking to the contractor and <sighs> and, and it, everything except about the music it's everything like. except about the music and it was so unappealing to me mm. and it was that it took me two sessions to just to, to figure that out to figure out I'm not doing this. Mm. This is not where I see my life going. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be trapped in a studio playing music that means nothing to me.
my guest, Larry Kuntz, on You and the Night and the Music. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Talk about Cleo Lane and John Dankworth, because I can't believe that you were in college and they went right into that gig. That's pretty intimidating, but wonderful, and all kinds of things, I would think. You're right. Good description of all the stuff that was going on inside at the time. Um, So Cleo came to USC. Oh, that's how you met her. Yes. And John came with her, and she performed in the first set with the USC Big Band, all John's arrangements. And Uh John was just a brilliant writer. And what a wonderful human being. I connected with him immediately. Um, And um, Cleo actually sang some Schoenberg in the second set. She was one of those rare Wintmore solace type people that could sort of straddle a couple of worlds. Yeah. Um, But John thought enough of my playing in that first half. He had some some parts that were kind of uh, unidiosyncratic for Mm -hmm. guitar. Mm Mm-hmm. And he thought enough of my plane to call me for um, um, a Pops gig that he did with the Vancouver Symphony. That's very flattering. It was really flattering. Yeah. I, 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 it was totally unexpected. I mean, we did hit it off in the concert, and he was, I could tell he was kind of taken by the fact that I could sort of absorb this material that felt sort of pianistic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, he's also a pianist. John's right, also a so. pianist. So he was interested in playing more piano. Mm. And he thought it might be a good idea to bring guitar into the group, another color, experiment yeah. with some stuff. And so I did this one gig, and it was a week-long stint with the Vancouver Symphony. Featured me in a few moments. And then it just sort of picked up from there. I did, started doing some – Cleo wasn't on that gig. Uh-huh. Uh, then I did some gigs with Cleo, and I, after about six months, I was part of the band and was with them for six years. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It was. It was my training. Talk about Storybook. Uh, so Storybook is um, really a project of the heart. Um, actually, all my projects are a project. I was going to say that. I was actually going to interrupt you. I was going to say that doesn't make it unique. Yeah. All right, continue, continue. Uh, actually, there's another project with my father that was a uh, really heartfelt um, moment of sort of wanting to document uh, music that I play with my father, who's a great guitarist. And I want to talk about that too. So talk sure. about Storybook, then okay. we'll talk about your dad. Absolutely. Um, so Storybook, sort of is uh, an attempt to, um, I think a lot about this word document, mm-hmm, because I, mm-hmm. I like to think of, of recordings as documents of a time period, a little yeah. snapshot, mm-hmm. right, of a, of, a, of, of a relationship. And in this case, it is a relationship. It's um, uh, representative of a lot of music that I played with a great Polish bassist named Darek Oleszkiewicz. He, he shortened his name because people couldn't write checks. <laughs> you know, there's so many consonants in that Oleszkiewicz. Uh, so he goes by Darek Olis. Uh-huh. And Darek teaches at USC. And um, I, uh, he moved from Poland uh, to um, Los Angeles in, in 1989, mm-hmm. I believe. And we were fast friends. Um, we were both trying to figure it out at that time and, and playing with a lot of uh, the same musicians. 
And Dark is a bassist that just drips melody. I mean, it's incredible. His pitch is phenomenal. Uh, I don't think I've ever played with a, a, a bass player who have this, has this kind of pitch center. It's ridiculous. And when he plays, it's, it's so melodic. In fact, I've always uh, sort of you know, mentioned to audiences that there must be something in the water because Chopin had this and Darek has this too. He really has that kind of gift in, in terms of writing too. Um, in fact, Between Nowhere and Goodbye is his composition. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Darek also comes from um, a sense of wanting to sort of combine European classical elements with jazz. So we were just, uh, we hit it off from the very beginning. A lot of those same kind of sensibilities. Mm -hmm. um, so this project was born out of um, a desire to document his original material, my original material, and to bring uh, along a percussionist, Munyungo Jackson, who played with Stevie Wonder, um, still plays with Stevie actually, uh, and to, to keep it really intimate and to keep it sort of like on the chamber music sort of scale. Mm. Um, and to combine improvisation and to experiment with some different things too, to, to work with some, some musical elements maybe that, that are pretty far away from playing standards. I don't think we recorded one standard mm -mm. on this project. Mm. And that's unique. Usually I'll, I'll put some American songbook standard in there mm -hmm. or a monk tune or something like that. Um, so this one was a real departure for me. So talk about your CD with your dad. Yeah, the CD with my father um, came about after the death of a really close friend, um, uh, Eric, Eric Von Essen, who was a great bassist that I used to play with uh, uh, quite a bit in throughout the 80s and early 90s. Eric passed away, I think, in 96. And uh, we really didn't have any CD to, to again, I'm use that word, document mm. this relationship we had. And playing with Eric was a totally unique experience. He's one of those players that made me play differently, mm. uh, sort of like Charlie Hayden. Um, and I was thinking, you know, my 
this is a good time. My father's still at at the height of his playing ability. Mm -hmm. I should really document this relationship, you know. And we always played from 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 the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We always played. I remember playing with my grandfather, who was also a musician. Oh wow! Who was self-taught pianist, and he played organ. He also played steel guitar, kind of eclectic. Um, early Americana, but we'd always play as a family. And and so that's kind of how that project was born. You know, I really w had an urgency. Okay, let's let's do this while we're still both healthy. Yeah. And at the height of our playing. Ability. Yeah. Yeah. project. Tell me about it. Uh, yes. This is a, a project that I've been working on for actually the last year. A lot of work. Um, it's an online video website and it's run by a guitarist from Romania named Tavi Gennaro. Mm -hmm. Amazing classical guitarist. Um, and he really envisioned creating a website that had a lot of um, had a lot of layers mm -hmm. to teach students. Wasn't just superficial, was for guitarists that wanted to scratch way beneath the surface. And so for the last two years, he's been offering um, online lessons in which he's teaching students on a beginning, intermediate, and advanced level, some of the old classical guitar chestnuts. Oh. And, and they're the really produced beautifully. Um, and so Tavi contacted me uh, about a year ago and s asked if I would be interested in this venture and having taught so much, I have a passion for teaching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm always rethinking it and I'm, I'm, and I'm always revisiting this place of, of trying to re-envision how I can be more streamlined with my, with my, uh, thoughts mm -hmm. about any given topics. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this was a good opportunity to even streamline it further. Um, real challenge to actually talk into a video camera for up to an hour about a topic Ugh. of some sort. No, it's challenging. But it's really challenging, but I enjoy this challenge. I enjoy really trying to whittle things down and trying to be succinct mm -hmm. and try to cut Right to the bone, you know, yeah. with, with some of these ideas. And being inspiring when someone isn't in front of you. Exactly. Except a camera. That's exactly. hard. Exactly. It is difficult. But yeah. but they're 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 produced beautifully. They're mm -hmm. videotaped really nicely. And uh, it's been sort of a, a passion of mine for like the last year to create. I think I have 13 hours of video that's available. Fantastic. And on an ongoing basis students mm. can even request specific lessons uh i will be producing um an hour every month more of, of video it's content. fantastic yeah, and how it. do people find it it's at uh eliteguitarist.com e-l-i-t-e guitarist.com mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
And if they go to your site, does it also mention that? Yes. There's a link on my website at larrykuntz.com mm-hmm. um, on the links page to eliteguitars.com. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'm so glad we did this. And we met here in Rustic Canyon. Thank you, Judy. Not only are the surroundings amazing. I know. I mean, isn't I'm, this great? I'm in something that looks like a log cabin from, I know. you know, in two centuries ago. In the middle of California. <laughs> you're, you're just the best kind of interviewer because, first of all, you we're, we come from similar places. We think a lot of about these things. And you've done something that is totally unique to yourself for a long time. So there's a lot of depth. And I really appreciate the nature of the questions and where we've gone this afternoon. Thank you. That is so nice. Thank you, Larry. I hope we play together sometime soon. Me too. Thank you. I loved your time sense. I just want to feel that joy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We get to swing together. Yes, absolutely. You've been listening to my conversation with guitarist Nari Kuntz. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another celebrated creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can listen to Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired on all podcast platforms and at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is sponsored in part with generous support from our listeners and Paige at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit Paige at 63 Main at opentable.com. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com. 